Almost. There it is. Happy Friday, y'all. Let's get this show rolling. Boom. Shut up and sit down. The Business Bros Podcast was created for you. Learn from the business professionals who come to share their stories. Find out what's working in business on social media, what's hot and what's not, straight from the mouths of successful entrepreneurs out there doing the real work. And now, welcome to another episode of Business, business Bros. <laughs> it is time on this Friday for our fire intro. All right, all you business pros out there, before we jump into the show, just a quick reminder to please subscribe on whichever platform it is that you're listening to us on today. Give us a like, give us a follow, subscribe, and drop a review, and help other like-minded business owners find value from our awesome guests as we rise up in those podcast rankings. We will sincerely appreciate it. And if you want to be a guest on the show, we would love to have you on and learn from you as well. Go to www.businessbros.biz slash podcast guest to schedule your time slot. And don't forget to follow us on all our social media at Business Bros Pod. We are super excited and so honored to bring yet another incredible guest on the Business Bros Pod. Ladies and gentlemen, our guest today is without a doubt going to blow our minds. He is the best-selling author of The Greatest Entrepreneur in the World and Eight Unbreakable Rules for Business Startup Success. And we have so much to learn from this incredible guest today. Just a quick search of his name gives all the credibility needed to our guest expertise. And a jaunt over to Twitter shows how he is on a daily basis, equipping entrepreneurs for success by encouraging them to take action on their great ideas. You will not want to miss today's episode featuring one of Yahoo Finance's top 20 business leaders to pay attention to in 2020. Coming to us today out of Charlottesville, North Carolina, say hello to the host of the 10-Minute Entrepreneur. Welcome to the show, Sean Castrino! Sean, welcome to the show, man. Great to be on the show, gentlemen. We're going to have some fun today. Sean, James dropped the fire intro, but I want to know a little bit about Sean, not business. How did you get into this business space? Like what was going on in your childhood? How did you come here? Did you just like wake up and you already had a cash flow coming in? No, 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 that doesn't work that way. At least it didn't with mine. I grew up less than middle class, so I knew I never wanted to be poor. I, I can say that, but I was going to do it the typical route. You know, in, in my generation, your parents typically maybe didn't go to college. So if you went to college, you were going to make more money than they did. And that, that seemed like a good plan and went to college on an athletic scholarship and got out of college, had an incredible job in DC area, was one class away from a master's degree in education. And, um, you know, pretty much had everything going and going in the right direction. Was married, new child, and uh, lost my dream job kind of overnight. There was a leadership change in the nonprofit that I was working for, and um, right then I kind of knew that you know jobs weren't necessarily that secure. So um, mm. you know, just really changed my paradigm right then that you know I would never be dependent on an employer again because I would have thought I would have been there you know maybe forever. Um, and, and I realized no matter what, when you work for somebody, they're always basically trying to get rid of you at some point. If, if you really think of the logic there, they're either trying to downsize you or get more out of you for what they're paying you or to get somebody to do your job for less. Efficiency. They're really yeah. always basically positioning you out of the equation 
for what you're getting paid. You know, if you're getting paid a lot, they're trying to hire somebody for a little. If you're getting paid a certain amount, they want to get twice as much work out of you. So, you know, I kind of understood that and, and went and actually sold insurance for a year. Cause if you're articulate a little bit and you can talk to people, you know, you can sell an insurance, you can actually make good money. But I had my aha moment there and that's what business kind of came to me. I was, I remember going to a sales meeting and it's the first time I was around really wealthy people, insurance people do fairly well. And, and I'm in my early twenties and I'm blown away by Mercedes Jags and everything all over the place. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what if we could get our cars cleaned right here? And this is 25 years ago. So now you wouldn't think about that. But 25 years ago, nobody was doing what I was thinking. So I was like, if we could just have, you know, a vehicle with water and we, you could get your cars clean right here, detailed right in the parking lot, wax the whole nine yards. Again, very simple concept today. But back then it wasn't. So I started a company called Waxmaster Mobile Detailing. Mm-hmm. For everybody who's trying to start a business, don't complicate your name. The name was Waxmaster <laughs> Wax Mobile Detailing. Tagline, America's Choice in Mobile Detailing. Take a big, bold position. Phone number, 888-933-3824. I know it 25 years later. Why? Because it said, we detail. Wow. Three weeks ago, they cleaned two of my cars, my Mercedes and my BMW. I sold it like five years into it, but I made $35,000 my first year part-time on it. I worked two hours a week, didn't never cleaned a car. Um, all I did was set up, made the phone ring, set up the systems. You know, they, they called the girl on the phone would say, do you want, is an SUV? Is it a car? You know what I mean? You had two mm-hmm. prices with the exterior, the inside or both, you know, it was like five questions booked it. I did a 50, 50 split with the person who did the work. That was my aha moment because I was going to, to me, I was, I was going to sell insurance and make a ton of money and I was going to have a part-time gig, 35 grand, 35 grand when you're 24 is not a bad, not a bad. Deal. Yeah. 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 of extra money. Even today is really nice. It, it pays, it, it pays for a wedding. It pays for a year's tuition at college. So I knew then that I had had my aha moment that it, I violated every rule of business in that I didn't quit my job to start it. Mm-hmm. I didn't need a lot of capital. I did it for under like fifteen hundred dollars. Um, I had no experience. I didn't work in the business. I couldn't tell you the difference between two wax. The only thing I remember was Carnuba, um, <laughs> and so I didn't do anything. I mean, I defied all the all the rules. The rules are: you quit your job, start your business, right? Number, the other mm-hmm. one, you got to be passionate. Passion is an entrepreneur's mistress. I was well, not passionate about cleaning. We'll have a debate about that soon. As well, hold, hold, hold on, hold on. Hold on. <laughs> everybody off the passion one i had a 15 minute discussion with john tesh on intelligence for your life for 15 minutes over this subject he was losing his mind and then the last minute he gave in and said you're right that's okay. funny he's I, I on your up. side yeah, yeah I'm, I'm definitely on your side. but you you, you avoided a lot of things so first of all you did business yeah. you know ass backwards right you're yeah. supposed to do things the, the, the other way however you also avoided one of the biggest perils that a lot of people step into at the beginning of your conversation at the beginning of your story you were talking about how you realized that job security is not really secure there is that doesn't no. exist right yeah, so you went out and ventured into your own thing but what happens oftentimes is people fall into the trap of leaving job security to to securing their own job and that is oftentimes what you what a lot of people get trapped i don't think it means what you think it means thanks thanks right? yeah. but that's that's when that's what a lot of people get stuck in right where they become that solopreneur doing everything themselves and you had this aha moment which kind of you know you have that 10 minute entrepreneur behind you but 
not everybody goes through that. They're not able to relinquish that control mm-hmm. and that, that, that ability to say, okay, I'm going to put my name on something. I'm going to, you know, start this business. I'm going to be the, you know, make sure that everything works, but you go ahead and do the work. Like that doesn't always click with people. I'm how lazy. You, I'm lazy. I love that I'm answer. Lazy, yes. Lazy. Lazy. <laughs> yes. Yeah, no, I mean, people don't want to believe really. I'm lazy, but yes. <laughs> how, do you, how do you rinse and repeat if you're, cons- if you're trapped in a hundred hour business? Now, if you're strapped into a, you know, like Elon Musk goes, well, I, I worked a hundred hours a week. Yeah. The payoff was $60 billion. I'm in there with you, Elon. You know what I, mean? <laughs> <laughs> I sold PayPal for $191 million. I'm in there with you, Elon. I'll do the hundred. Yeah. Okay, but for the rest of us where you're probably looking forward to making a six-figure business, I'm not working 100 hours a week for six figures. I, I think too high of myself, to be frank with you. I'll make six figures and, and have a passive business, but I'm not, wor- I'm not working for 100. You know, it'd have to be high. You know, we're going to have to get to the quarter of a million and above, you know, and I'm going to have to be under the age of 30. Um, so there's there's different periods where you're willing to work and go crazy, but but the, there's a principle there. I I knew early on that I didn't want to clean cars, so why would I clean cars? I knew early on I didn't need to answer the phone or call people back. I could I could have an answering service do that. At, it was like forty dollars a month. Mm-hmm. I knew mm-hmm. I could. I, I learned early that fifty percent of a lot is better than a hundred percent of a little. So I could split the the profit fifty fifty with the person who was cleaning the car. I mean, to me, it just it allowed me to sell insurance where I made a lot of money. Well, you were doing something that uh, now is much easier to do. You were outsourcing a lot of things. You know, you were finding a partner to clean the cars. You were finding a, a service to answer the phone. You were doing a lot of those things that back in the day were really difficult yeah. to put together because you couldn't, how do you find that, those sort of people, right? I mean, you'd go through the yellow pages. Yeah, that sort yeah, of stuff. that's it. Today, yeah. there's this, I mean, you can go to Upwork and find freelancers for almost every single thing that you want done, and yet we're not using the resources that are there to build these businesses. You're you're a bridge. You're that middle person. You have an idea. You're like, hmm, I wonder if that'll work. You find people who are already doing the work, and then you make the phone ring. That that allows you so much free time. Are you in in the first one? You said you took fifty percent of of the business going forward. Did you find that fifty percent was too much to sustain something long term, or uh, been, are you still using, taking huge chunks? I do I do fifty fifty in all my partnerships, and I I, I do extra, I'm, We're in a nine thousand square foot house right now with ten bathrooms, so we're doing okay. Um, I, I, again, the 50, 50 formula works if in fact you bring a strong value proposition to the table. So I do wax master that kind of gives me my aha moment. Then I go start a direct mail magazine and, and where I'm at here, Charlottesville, and it takes off. I have it in 23 cities. It goes to more homes than the Sunday Washington post. And this is when I'm about 30. And, um, my wife is pregnant with her second child, so I want to convert our dining room into a home office. It's hard to have your sales mojo with a chandelier and crown molding <laughs> around you. you know. So I, I just wanted to turn it into, I just wanted to make it look like an office. So I tried to hire a handyman, a home improvement person. It was like trying to find a one-eyed leprechaun. I couldn't <laughs> find it. And I'm in an upper middle class subdivision, 940 houses. Remember that was in the brochure. Um and I started asking around, like, where can I get a handyman? Where can I get a handyman? And they're like, nobody could refer anybody. Like, nobody. And I'm like, that's, that's, can't, it's a handyman. You know, mm-hmm. got to be able to find those, right? But you couldn't. So I started a company called Advantage Handyman Services. And I did A because back then it was Yellow Pages. So if you're A, you're listed in the book first. 
Always a reason. Again, back to the name again, Advantage Handyman Services. You know exactly what we did. Yeah. Tagline, yeah. the tagline, the leader in home repairs and projects. Take a bold position always from the beginning. Always make the boldest statement right from the get-go. So I, I started that, again, my same formula. I owned the magazine. Didn't quit my magazine to do it. It was in 23 cities. Partnered all the way through the whole thing. Partnered to get the capital. Hired a person in the office that scheduled all the estimates. I did a 50-50 split with the handymen that we brought on as contractors. I knew that I could market it and get a lot more money per hour than they were getting, and I could keep them busy. My value proposition was, how often do you sit home in the winter? And they're all like, yeah, I know that sucks. I go, you'll never sit home in the winter. I, I didn't think, I mean, was, I said that. I really didn't know how I was going to pull it off, but I was confident <laughs> I could. But that was my value proposition. It was like April when we launched it. And five weeks into it, we had 54 phone calls for work. And I knew I hit the holy grail. I knew... You know, and again, I can't put together a three-piece birdhouse. I literally have a plastic toolkit upstairs that I got when I got married, and I can't tell you the difference between two screwdrivers. I know one's like this, and then one's kind of like that. Um, <laughs> but I, again, I went to my my model is I don't work in the business. I I kind of create up all these systems. But when I got fifty-four phone calls, I knew that it, that I literally was you know getting I was holding on to the back end of an alligator. All right, Sean, I'm going to, I'm going to ask yeah. you this because yeah. it reminds me of, of when James and I started our very first business, right? We, we started a computer repair company because James rolled his truck and got fired from work. We had a mortgage payment to pay. We literally would create these flyers, go around the neighborhood and, you know, pass them out. We turned them into door hangers. We leave a sticker and say, Hey, you need your computer fixed. You, we, we got it. The door the, hangers. We used the door hanger. That's what we did our launch with, with door yeah. hangers in all the nice neighborhoods. So, so that was the magic sauce. Now here's what happened though. Once we started getting enough work, we stopped doing that kind of marketing and we tried yeah, to we reach did. out to do all kinds of other things, try to make it easier on us because, you know, getting up and doing the, you know, handing out the door hangers because we were doing it ourselves. I bought a what Super is Bowl your ad. Okay. I, oh, was, I was going to say. I bought a Super Bowl what? ad. I want to know your magic when you have an idea like this, right? When you have- Fuel it, baby. Yeah. Throw what is your fuel? On it. How do you get that 54 yeah. calls that come in? How do you there get you that stuff to come Like how you yeah. can put the system together, but to make the phone ring, that's a whole that, different ball. That is the thing. And that's my superpower within businesses. And when I partner with people, I can make a phone ring. That's I'm good at branding. Um, so I, I, I owned a direct mail magazine, so I kind of understood advertising. I did it with the detailing company. So I kind of knew what worked. Uh, in service companies and having the magazine, I knew that it's law of math. If if we deliver a postcard to 60,000 homes, we're going to get a half a percent return, you mm -hmm. know, give or take. So it, it's just, to me, it's kind of simple math. If you, if you do the right message, it goes to the right demographics. You have a strong call to action. You have your unique value proposition on it. And mine was very simple. I wouldn't send anybody to your home that wouldn't work in mine. Mm. Because the, the, the fear with handymen is they're sketchy. Yeah. So I came out with that. I, I had me and my beautiful family, dog, you know, the new child, everything. And my tagline at the end of our TV commercial, I did a TV commercial right from the beginning. Older guy looked like Santa Claus doing an estimate for this beautiful person who was a neighbor of mine. She was actually on, she was a news anchor. Great commercial from day one I had. And then at the end of it, it would go to my family and I, and I, and I would say, I wouldn't send anybody to your home that wouldn't work in mine. They'd see my beautiful family there. And that subliminally told people a lot that rocked the phone. I mean, it was a strong, you know, it was a strong branding position without even saying anything. What I was basically saying is, hey, I'm going to put good people in your house. 
one of our bold points was we uh, everybody had 15 years experience. I knew I didn't have any. So I figured I had to hire people with experience anyway. So I was just kind of killing two birds with one stone. True. True. So I kind of leveraged their their credibility. Moral to the story is I'm I'm six I'm about six months into it. It is just knocking doors down. But I had an investor, a partner in it, who put up put up the starting capital. One of my best friends to this day I actually had lunch with him yesterday. And uh, but I had to buy him out because I needed to bring in an active working partner. I needed to have somebody in that building who knew construction because it was way it was going way too fast. Scope was too big at that point. Way too big and there was way too much potential. So I bought my friend out and um, with an equity line. And that's the old, if you can always take a loan when you're going to do a startup. Don't give away ownership if you can avoid it for money. If you're trying to get money, don't give away ownership if you can. Take a crazy loan. If I so, had to do it again, I would have paid a. I would have paid him. I borrowed ten thousand dollars. I gave him fifty percent. At the time, I thought it was going to be like kind of a hobby that pays for like a golf membership or something at a country club. I had no idea it was going to turn into a million, you know, a multi-million dollar company. So when I bought him out, even though it was the first year, I, I, you know, he got a seven per, seven times return on his money. I bought him out for seventy grand. I, I want to hover on this part right here because yeah. this is this is something that's interesting, something that caught my ear when I'm listening mm-hmm. to your story. When you talk about businesses, you know, there's a lot of entrepreneurs who talk about business like it's the it's it's the holy grail. You talk about it like you're trading baseball cards, like it's just something that you're just testing out. You're like, you know what? I was gonna do this one. You know, I was gonna roll my money, throw it on black, and see what happened. Hopefully, you know, I got some money for dinner later on or something like that. Like that's that's a completely different approach. But it, in order for that to work, I'm assuming that you have certain criteria, certain things that you set up for every single one. Everyone. You have a system in place for every single one that is kind of your, your framework of what's going on. Can you tell me a little bit about how you develop that framework or what's involved in that framework? The most important thing is, and it's the, this is where entrepreneurs get killed. The first the big mistake they start with, again, I've just shared with you like two companies, a wax master and, and a handyman. I share with you, I don't know anything about either one of them. So clearly I'm not passionate about either one of them, but there was a need the problem that entrepreneurs make is they get caught up in passion or they the idea sounds so good in their head. I vet my ideas. In other words, when I bring in, I, my criteria is I'm bringing something to the marketplace that the marketplace has told me they want. Mm-hmm. See, I, I, I don't try to take a, you know a product and jam it down the marketplace. No, the marketplace, I knew handymans. I couldn't hire one. I talked to every one of my neighbors. They couldn't find one. I talked to my buddies on my softball team. They couldn't refer one. I owned a direct mail magazine. I didn't have one in my magazine, yet I had a plumber. I had a painter. I had this. I had that. I, I had enough data to tell me this was a winner. That's all I need. You, you, you know, you give me a runway, I'm going to get the plane up. And um, so I did that, bought my partner up, brought in somebody to run my company with me. Um, I, it's kind of a funny story. He was actually in my magazine. He was the painter in my magazine. So <laughs> I gave him $10,000 for his painting company. And I said, listen, I want you to come work with me. Here's 10 grand, but let's partner in something a lot bigger one of my good friends to this day. And um, we scaled it to a million dollars within three years. And um, we were, you know, he made more money than he ever made in his life and living beautifully in Florida now retired. But I, I had to partner. So I gave him 50-50 on all profit. We split everything 50-50, but I was 51% owner. 
That's another little secret. You can do a 50-50 split, but somebody's got to make the final decision. And so I, I always have that in my deals. That so, I, I don't mind splitting 50-50, but I make the final call. Yeah, and, and, and the way you're the way it sounds like you're treating these businesses is very unemotional. You're, I mean, one of the reasons why you're taking mm -hmm. the 51% is because you're yeah. going to make a decision based on what the company needs, not necessarily how your heart is set on what you're doing. Whereas the painter in that situation, he had his heart. He's probably been working that business and, and you know, building it, you know, blood, sweat, and tears. But all of a sudden, he's got a partner over here who's making decisions that he may not like up front, but look what happened. The result is completely different. How are you separating your emotions, that passion that everybody has? How are you taking away that passion and kind of dumping it in somewhere else? Like you got to have it somewhere. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm passionate about winning in business. I was a college athlete. I want to win. See, having a business that sucks and doesn't make money that I'm passionate about would suck the life out of me. Mm. I, my checking account kind of gives me a woo. All right, I'm, I did all right here. You know, I look <laughs> in my garage. I go, ah, I did all right here. You know, in other words, be, trying. You know, being kind of funny. It, it, you gotta. There's you gotta make money at your business. It's not a hobby. Mm -hmm. So I want. I'm big on numbers. I get spreadsheets every day at four thirty. And I, I want. I'm a. You know, I want to see all the numbers. I make decisions based on numbers. I play Moneyball. You know, the movie Moneyball. In other words, yes. I don't care about the individual players. I need to get this many RBIs. Well, I'm going to get it through having three players, that, you know, hit 275. I, I take emotion out of it because it's it's business is nothing but numbers. You're it's, absolutely it's a, right. It's a numbers True. game. Now, I'm passionate about making clients happy. I mean, we, we have an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau. We've won every award you could possibly win. And, and, and I, I love that. You know, I love clients being addicted to us, but it, you, you got to make money and clients aren't going to get addicted to you if you don't have something they want. So I just think that sometimes entrepreneurs, they start with something nobody wants and then it, it just goes downhill from there. They start throwing money, you know, they think they can market it. You can't market a, a business nobody wants. You're absolutely you right. You can't create a great right. customer experience. Nobody wants it. So if you start with the number one thing, the market wants this. I have some validation. There's some traction that the market wants it. You have to start a business with that. Tell me a little bit about that 10 minute uh, sign, 10 minute entrepreneur behind you. That is, I mean, you've already said you start from a bold, bold yeah. position right off the bat. Hang on. And uh, speaking of bold position, boom, I bet the business bros only needs nine minutes. Right? That's, that's <laughs> Thanks, what I'm Matt. talking about, Matt. <laughs> So, I mean, 10, 10 minute entrepreneur sounds like a fantasy. I mean, how can, how the heck am I going to become an entrepreneur only putting in 10 minutes of work? What are we saying there, Sean? What do you mean by well, a 10 minute entrepreneur? That's my podcast. So I speak quickly, as you've already found out. I have all my business partners. I have about seven business partners. And whenever I go into the office, I talk really quickly. So I'm like, John, listen, we need to focus on your customer experience. I've looked at the surveys, blah, 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 blah. I go talk to Tony. Tony, you need to work on such and such. I do everything very, very fast. And, and my partners say, why don't you just make it into like a memo and just like send it to us? <laughs> and I'm sure. like, yeah, that's a great that's idea. That's a great idea. They're, yeah. You know, I, and so I was having lunch one day and I was just like, you know what? I should just turn this into a podcast. Because my, 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 one of my partners said, you're like a podcast. You know, you're like a podcast. So it hit me. Why don't I just do a 10 minute? Cause I don't have a long attention span. Um, so I created the 10 minute entrepreneur podcast where you get 
I like to teach, as you can kind of tell. And, and so I, I, I like teaching everything about business and I just like to do it in a shorter period of time. So that's how the 10 Minute Entrepreneur podcast came about. Well, let's get uh, let's yeah. get some speed in here then. Yeah. Uh, I'm a brand new entrepreneur. I've, I'm uh, I'm starting an insurance agency because I own an insurance agency. Yeah. Uh, what can I do? What should I be focusing my attention on to recruit insurance agents into my agency? Because we developed a system to run all their back office support. Okay. The number one thing that anybody selling insurance wants is leads. That's your value proposition. What mm -hmm. what, what does every salesperson not want to do? Make cold calls. Right. Mm -hmm. So your value proposition is would, would the value proposition you need to have. Mine with the handyman was is that they're going to work over the winter. That was their number one fear. And they were willing to do a 50-50 split with me if I could keep them busy for the three months that they're used to starving. The value proposition you need to bring in insurance is I'm going to give you great leads. So you're never going to have to make a cold call. You go tell a salesperson, you will never make a cold call working for me and you'll get salespeople. You're going to lure them. You either got to make it easier for them or make them more money. One or the other. One or the other. And if you could do both, well, then, you know, you did well. But in insurance, the big thing is, as a person who sold insurance, if, if somebody would say to me, man, I'm going to give you such and such amount of leads every week and you don't have to make cold calls. Are you kidding me? I, I would have worked for 50% of what I, you know, the, the upside of what I could have made if I, if I never had to make a cold call. All right. So you make that promise. How do you deliver? Right. Cause there, there's, I mean, there there's so the, many different, there, there, lies, lies, the, there lies the trick, right? There's yeah. the challenge, right? And there always is, but you think about it. This, this is kind of going to blow you away, but this is my one aha moment that'll blow this podcast away. If you want to build a successful company, you got to do this one thing. If you do this one thing, you'll hit it out of the park. You got to find one promise that if you could deliver on it, that your competition has not delivered on, they have chosen not to, they have failed to deliver on, that your target customer, if they heard about it, they would chase you down for your business and you build your business around that. That is your branding position. That is your USP. That it, you build a, a team that can deliver it. Everything is around that one thing. You look at Domino's Pizza. What did they do? You know, 30 years ago was we're going to get you a pizza in under 30 minutes. Yep. FedEx, we're going to get you a package anywhere in the world overnight. I mean, Southwest Airline, we're, you know, we're going to fly you to bamboo. You're not going to eat anything. It, you're going to, you know, you're going to look like, you know, like you like you were in Noah's Ark, but we're going to get you there for like 40 cents. You know, I mean, in other words, you got to have a value proposition and it's got to be such a strong value proposition that your your competition's not doing it. So if your target customer heard about it, in this case, your target customer is actually the people that are going to come work for you. Mm -hmm. That's your, yours is kind of in reverse. So your target customer is that, you know, a, an insurance agent. What's the one promise? You got to figure out how to deliver on it, but it's good leads. That is true. That's true. I mean, you're yeah. looking for pain points and almost everything that you've discussed and every example that you've had, you've identified pain points. And, and again, the magic comes down to figuring out how to solve that pain point, whether you were talking about, you know, the cars that were already parked, you're like, these are all fancy cars. They would love to be cleaned and detailed. They're they already here. Afford it. And think about it. They can afford it. Mm -hmm. See, the, the other thing you got to remember when you have a target customer, you have to decide what they're willing to spend. I've had great business ideas in my head. And then when I started looking at who my target customer was, number one, a couple things happened. First, the promise that I needed to deliver on, I couldn't deliver on. It was too hard or it was too expensive. True. Okay. 
Number two is sometimes I could deliver on it, but my target customer wasn't willing to pay enough money for it. So there's yeah. a breakdown. So that's, you know, so you got to kind of look at that, you know, oh, I, I deliver this great promise, but I still got a customer that's not going to really pay me anything for this. I'm going to, you know, jump over mountains, but they're, they're not willing to pay for it. So you got to kind of, they, they kind of have to work together. But if you can't solve the pain point, you don't have a business. That's absolutely true. Um, and, and that's the painful thing that people don't want to admit to. And, and they, they don't, they, you know, the, the number one pain point, what they end up doing is deferring down to a number four pain point that everybody's delivering on. And that's why I'm telling you, find the one that the competition's not delivering. And you just look at it. I mean, Netflix and Blockbuster. Blockbuster had video, you know, had the video stores. Netflix said, hey, why do you got to leave your house? As a matter of fact, we're not even going to give you late fees. We're going to send you three movies, send them back anytime you want to. They identified the pain point. They streamlined it. And that's why they have a, a $250 billion value proposition. At its heyday, Blockbuster was at $8 billion. Hmm. They, they, they picked a big Uber. Incredible. Yeah. What was the value prop? Unbelievable for screw taxis. We don't trust them. We think they play with the rates anyway. You know what I mean? We're going to make it so simple. Anybody, they did it in reverse. They provided a job for people. They hit the perfect, they hit the mother load on both ends. Everybody thinks taxis are kind of seedy. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? You always kind of think they, they kind of hit the meter if you're from out of town. Yep. Yep. And, and then you got to try to find one and all that. So Uber picked this incredible value proposition. We can, we're going to, anybody can work for us. You, you know what I'm saying? Anywhere in the, you know, pretty much you have a car, you have a job. Okay. And you're going to be able to get a taxi anywhere in the world, literally like in two minutes. I got an Uber driver at the US Open tennis tournament in the parking lot. It was already there waiting. Just turned yeah, on. It was the unbelievable. App. My son did it and boom, we're picked up. It was literally, it was the neatest thing I ever seen. I didn't, but my point is that's a crazy value proposition. And here's, Uber here's was crazy. Here's what I learned from you today, Sean. First of all, be bold, right? Find a problem and be bold on how you're going to address that pain point and then find a way to deliver on that pain point. If you can do those three things, find the pain point, be bold on addressing it and then deliver. That's the recipe to success. Did I, I did I did I kind of summarize what you what you brought yeah. to the table and then, today? And tell everybody about it. That's the only thing. Marketing. You want to learn how to market when you satisfy when you provide a bold, you know, a bold promise and you deliver on it, it's very easy to market that. Sean, we're uh, we're about out of time here. I want you to uh, tell the listening audience how they can get a hold of you, how they can find you on social media and uh, listen to your podcast, all that sort of stuff. Yeah, I'm probably the bore, boringest follow on social media, but I'm verified. So I guess that means something. I was just told that by my <laughs> team. Um, but with that being said, more importantly, hey, go to my personal site and you'll get a free book. That'll help you more than anything. I have the eight unbreakable rules for business startup success. It's free. It's on my site. And, and that'll just really give you, it, it's real quick chapters. I wrote it so that you could sit on a toilet and read it in the morning. I really did. Everything's like two minutes. Like 10 I minutes, love, two minutes. I yeah, love what real, you're doing because literally yeah. that's where I do my actual physical reading. Otherwise, it's just an I audio agree. book. I have my golf <laughs> diet, my golf magazine there. And, I, and so I started writing this book, no chapters, more than two pages. And at the end of it, it's really good. It gives you, you know, a thought to consider and an action to take. So I, I lay out the scenario. I go, listen, you might want to think about this. And here's the action to take. And I go through about 60 lessons 
that I learned in 20 some years of business and it's free. So go to seancastorini.com. And if you like just learning about business in general, like every little piece of it, the 10 minute entrepreneur, I'm an addict about teaching business. Sean, it's been an amazing 30 minutes, man. They just flew by getting to know you and, and what you do in this space. Thank you very much for taking the time to come on the show. Man, I so appreciate it, gentlemen. I hope you had fun. I mean, you've done a lot of podcasts. What, you, I had a what? blast. I was in I a nap a quarter to set. I was in a nap 45 minutes ago. <laughs> you guys naturally feed me energy. I literally looked at my watch and told my wife, I can't believe I made this thing for, you know, this is my, this is my downtime. And then I'm on the podcast with you all. And then you can tell I'm excited. I have energy. Anytime I'm talking about business, it, it literally, I'm an addict. Awesome, man. Well, I, I hope you enjoyed the show. You've been on a number of podcasts. What do you think of the, of the way we produced our show? I, you guys have the best production quality. And, and this is in all sincerity. Um, your layout, I was actually videotaping for my staff. I've been actually bringing my camera up and videotaping how you guys do stuff. Very, very well. Very well done. Thank you. Here they, uh, a tan. A tan. <laughs> yeah, I love that guy. It's so funny. Yeah, no, you guys put some good work into it. Your visuals are, are absolutely amazing. I love the movie cuts. Awesome. Thanks, John. Again, man, enjoy the rest of your Friday afternoon. Thanks for taking time for being on the show. I appreciate it, gentlemen. Thank you so much. All right, ladies and gents, that's all we got for you guys this week. Enjoy the weekend. Relax. Have fun. We'll see you again on Monday. Peace. Bye-bye. And we're out. Thank you for listening to the Business Bros Podcast. Are you looking to get more clients or to increase your income? Hernan, the Business Bro, can help you generate referrals through the power of podcasting. And James, the Insurance Bro with Pipeline Insurance, can help you effectively add insurance to your existing business. If you are ready to create wealth today and generational wealth for tomorrow, email businessbros at csfirst.com to schedule a free consultation or join the Business Bros Network, www.businessbros.biz.